from the studios up in the slums of Jersey. This is Teeing It Up Presents uh, for Leap Year, Leap Day 2020, February 29th. Uh, welcome Danny Flecka in in his weekly spot. Hello, sir. How you doing? I am fine. Um, Tony Romo gets 17 million a year, three years guaranteed, and if CBS extends their NFL rights, this becomes a 10-year deal per Adam Schefter that'll net him $170 million or thereabouts. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy money. I, I mean, you and I were briefly talking about it last night. Uh, I think it was you or I read someplace, I can't remember exactly where, you know, the highest AAV that he got while he was a player was $18 million. Yes. Um, it's just insane. I, I, I never thought that we would see something like this. I'd like to see the, the data. I wish I was in the room to see the data that was used to compile the numbers that were paid for uh, a, a play-by-play announcer that does 17 games, 18 games a year. Um, that work. You know, I know they go to the facilities and stuff like that prior, but really, you know, works what? Maybe like 70 days a year. Uh, for the, the, the network, um, and, you know, and what their return on investment is, because I can't imagine that CBS's ratings would suffer or uh, drop or anything if they had Phil Sims or Nate Burleson or Boomer Esiason as, as that play-by-play, uh, I mean, sorry, as that color guy, so... Uh, just fascinating to see something like this happen, to be honest with you. And you realize, per some sources that I have, that Tony Romo is now making double what Jim Nance is making. <laughs> and if you're Jim Nance, aren't you a little pissed? I mean, you work the Sunday football games, you do the Masters, you do March Madness, um, you know, probably some other stuff here and there that he's he part of, you know, project-wise for CBS that maybe we aren't privy to, but... Don't you think you have to be pissed? Or even if you're someone like Chris Collinsworth or, or Troy Aikman. That's what was trending on Twitter last night is what are they thinking right now? And I really think TV has to set a bad precedent. You know, they have set a market for a play, uh, color guy to be, you know, that number. And you're going to be seeing networks now potentially losing talent or... Um, players going into it that maybe are retiring. You know, there's some notable players that have not yet retired that have been rumored for numbers of years to be going into media. You know, two guys that jump out to me are, are Greg Olson and uh, Drew Brees. What are they going to be commanding if they're going to be coming out and are broadcasting and these networks are looking to make a splash and put them on their number one or number two team? I think CBS just overvalues uh, Tony Romo's ability to engage viewers and to bring in viewers because uh, I was reading an interesting article on Barstool uh, by one of their bloggers. It's like, no matter who's calling the game, we're watching it, right? As long as it's a good game, a good product, we're going to be watching it regardless of who's calling the game. So I just think it's a insane amount of money to be throwing at somebody that I think maybe picks your viewership up, what, maybe half a percent on a weekly basis? And, and right, and then think about it this way. We have a revolving door of free agent, unrestricted free agents. Now, CBS had 
Uh, Romo was a restricted free agent, and apparently ESPN, CBS thought, was set to offer $20 million a year. Multiple ESPN sources have uh, denied that to several writers, um, which, God, I mean, if they were going to pay $20 million, <laughs> they just paid Stephen A. Smith $10 million a year. Um, geez. But you've got unrestricted free agents and guys like Dan Faust and Charles Davis who, who are very fine announcers who would save you a whole lot of money. Um, then again, CBS lost the SEC rights, uh, which they had bid $300 million a year for, so they now have some money lying around since ESPN outbid them for $325 million a year. Oh, the wonderful world of TV sports rights, Danny, where money just seems to come from everywhere and everywhere. It's really amazing that, you know, these, these numbers and these figures are thrown around. It's just amazing. You know, Tony Romo was a, a mediocre quarterback who made $18 million a year and now is broadcasting doing 95% less work and makes just the same amount of money. It just goes to show you sometimes, you know, that, you know, these players, if they play their cards right and they do things the right way and, and they have some, you know, personality, some, you know, they're, they're affable, that they have some empathy, that, you know, they can make more money outside of the game than they could ever make inside of the game. And that just, this just goes to show you that guys like Tony Romo, Rob Gronkowski, you know, that they played their cards right, and they, they developed the personality, whether it was on the field or off the field, and have, are, are cashing in more now than they probably did when they were playing. Yep. Um, continuing with news in the NFL, I don't understand how this happened, so maybe you can enlighten me. Florida wide receiver Van Jefferson was found during his combine physical to have a Jones fracture in his foot that is going to require surgery. Wouldn't you have found, uh, isn't that a painful injury that you would have found previously during some other medical examination? Why do we keep having stories of people finding um, major health problems during combine physicals, whether it's the NBA with, I think it was the, a, uh, a uh, guy named Isaiah Austin, and, and this seems to happen in the NFL every year. Why does this keep happening? Is, are these colleges not doing a good job? Is somebody's doctor not doing a good job? Is the combine physical, this next level physical, why does this keep happening? So I, I think that these players, specifically you know, NFL players probably, you know, will train after the season specific to the combine, right? Right, they, they drop out of college, yeah. I have to assume, you know, if they're, if they're graduating, They've lost the ability to, to access, you know, certain training staff members or, or certain training staff privileges that they had um, while they were players. And I think that these injuries occur during the end of the off season and, and during their training for the combine. So a, a lot of these players will train specifically for the combine. You know, bench press, sprinting, uh, cone drills, vertical leaps, etc sort of disregarding their overall fitness regimen that they probably have throughout the season or in a regular off-season. And I think that puts unwanted stress on the body. Uh, and that's why we see these injuries pop up. Or, you know, we, you know, I saw some guys, you know, pull hamstrings yesterday in a 40-yard dash. You know, we were talking about the combine in general the other day. I think it's just an antiquated system. You know, you're asking these players to perform really high-intensity drills that 
in the grand scheme of things, doesn't necessarily translate to, you know, on-the-field actions. And that's why we see players, you know, during the combine, they're packed, you know, during the bench press, ball hamstring during the 40-yard dash, uh, you know, have knee problems, whatever it may be. I just think that the, the continuous repetitions of these, of these drills over and over and over and over and over again preparing for this combine of the pro day results in some of these injuries that we see. Talking to Danny Flecky here on Teeing It Up. All right, if um, – I, I just can't believe this. Louisville 6'7", 364-pound uh, offensive tackle, Makai, sorry if, I, if I'm mispronouncing his name, Becton, has 17% body fat. The dude is 364 pounds. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, the report of this guy prior to the combine – uh, were that he's a, a, a beast, a brawler, a, a guy that's going to get in your face. Um, he was slowly rising up the draft board as, as the, the years, have, I mean, as the weeks have gone on. You know, he's projected in mocks in the top 10, even going as high as number four to the Giants in some mocks that, that were out there. Uh, so he's, he's risen up the board, and there's no reason now why, you know, based off these results, he's going to be there. He's not going to be in the top 10, I think. Um, I'm just wary of these results, of these combines results again i think it's it's players training specifically for this event and to me sometimes these results don't always translate um to what the on-field actions of these players are you know i've seen some interesting things this week you know one of them was you know on instagram a, a photo that was posted i thought by by big cat at barstool like the top 40 yard dash in nfl combine history and the captains are, are we sure being this fast is that good? And there are players listed on there like uh, Darius Hayward Bay and guys I haven't even heard of because they probably didn't ever, ever make it far in the NFL. Um, and then there was an interesting article on ESPN yesterday about uh, this defensive tackle from Boston College in the mid-90s, Mike Mamula, who got drafted by the Eagles, and how he dominated the combine, but his pro career was Boston stellar. Um, you know, these combine results help in certain ways, but I also think that you know when you're reviewing these players and their potential, you you have to look at the tape and you have to look at the teams that come out of and what their what their ceiling is for learning and adjusting to the day to day rigors of the NFL and the and the play by play adjustments that go on in the NFL. So uh, you know that is. That guy's a physical specimen, no doubt. But can that translate on a day-to-day basis for 10 to 12 years in the NFL? You know, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, it's on Danny Flecker here on Teeing It Up. All right. Um, want to talk something baseball-related here in a second. But before we get there, today is February 29th, Leap, leap Day. If your birthday fell on Leap Day, when would you um, celebrate it? Most years. Years, I think that, uh, I think I celebrate it on whatever day was better. Either the 28th or the 1st, right? If it's, uh, you know, uh, if it was a Friday or a Saturday, yeah, I'd celebrate it on whatever day that fell on. So whatever day would be best to celebrate on. I think you just celebrate it on. Um, all right. So moving into the n- next couple of things we're going to talk about, and it's actually going to be soccer first. Serie A has called off five games, including Juventus, in, in, who, Juventus, Inter Milan, because of fears of the coronavirus and its impact on northern Italy. You're Italian. Um, how how big of a deal is this for a whole bunch of 
of Serie A games to be canceled because this is obviously going to have a big impact on their schedule, the other obligations, if any of these teams are in the Champions League, you know, so on and so on. No, it's huge. It's a big, big factor. You know, we've seen matches held behind closed doors in certain leagues, you know, fan abuse or or racial implications, you know, from the fan base um, and the well-being of players. Um, You know, we've seen that happen. This is the first time I think I can remember that, you know, games are being held behind closed doors due to a public health concern. Um, and Northern Italy is feeling that right now. And you're talking about the Inter Milan Juventus game. That's a big game. Um, you know, both those teams are at the top of the table. It's very important. It's a, it's a derby match for both teams. Uh, you know, Inter is losing out on a ton of revenue from ticket sales for the game. Then, you know, Juventus themselves are in the Champions League. So they have a game, I think, next week or the following week in the Champions League. So these, these games are. You know, important on the schedule and the timing of it couldn't be worse, obviously, given the situation that we find ourselves in with the coronavirus. But it's an interesting story, and I don't hate the way that teams are approaching it. You know, this is a situation where, you know, reports are coming out left and right about the implications of this virus and the effect that it's having on the population. Um, you don't want to take those risks and put in the, the general population, you know, at that at those matches where, you know, um, exposure is at a high given the close quarters and the stadium setting that you find yourselves in. But it, it, it's a fascinating, uh, albeit, you know, uh, concerning situation that we're finding ourselves in with this virus. Um, from a, a team perspective and from a soccer perspective, the, uh, the that, that first match has been rescheduled. I think it's for May 12th. You could be looking at a totally different matchup at that point. You could have guys who, you know, God forbid, get hurt or guys who have stepped up. It, it's a totally, when when you have to postpone that far out, not not just a week, not just, you know, a couple days, you know, like if you have a blizzard or some kind of weather event. But when you're pushing it back months, you're looking at a completely, potentially totally different matchup. Yeah, and not only that, but, like, the importance of the game shift as well, you know. The game today uh, would have been really, really, really important uh, for both teams. Um, you know, there could be a chance that when they put, if they replay the game or, or postpone it, that the game doesn't mean anything. And that's a big hit to a league that's been looking to establish itself uh, among the soccer hierarchy uh, when it comes to viewership on the weekend. You know, we know the Premier League runs the, the soccer weekend. Uh, but these other leagues are trying to get there. And when you have the two best teams in the league fighting for the top of the table, um, you know, a, a game like this at the end of February, beginning of March, it's really important and would draw in a lot of casual fans and viewers. Now you're, you're looking at potentially either of these teams being out of it, you know, come May, or, you know, you bet this could have uh, clinched the Serie A title by then. You know, there's a lot of things that, that affect when that game is going to be played, you know, I wish it was a little bit earlier in the season, maybe, you know, a couple of weeks, like you mentioned, or maybe in April, but, you know, pushing it out to May, uh, when the, the season ends, you know, in a couple of weeks, yeah, this game could have a totally different implication for both teams and could result in a poorer product. 
Alright, Severino gets hurt, um, needs Tommy John surgery, Giancarlo Stanton gets hurt for the Yankees. Is this still 2019? When I forgot to press play the first time and called this leap year 2019, is that actually how the Yankees are viewing this? You know, Severino's injury doesn't really surprise me. As soon as those reports came out earlier that he was dealing with forearm issues at the end of the season, um, they did multiple MRIs on him during the offseason, seemed like an inevitable uh, end game for him that he was going to undergo some sort of season-ending surgery for something. Um, so I'm not too surprised by the Severino news. It, it sucked. You know, it, it was nice. It would have been nice to have had him back and see him get back to the form that he was in prior to his mid-season last year. But, you know, Carlos Stanton's injury really just picked me off. You know, what is this guy doing in the offseason? You know, how is he getting hurt? What does he do? You know, how do you pull at your calf muscle hanging out in the outfield catching fly balls? Like, it's just ridiculous that these players, in baseball specifically, come up with such, like, such minor injuries that derail their entire season or derail their, their fitness regimen that pushes them back. It's just absurd. I don't get it. I never will. Baseball players, the way baseball players treat injuries or the way they get injuries is just the most... It, Ridiculous. Every year there's something new that's like, how did this player get hurt? Oh, he was slicing a piece of bread and he cut his finger or he gets blisters or whatever. It's just ridiculous some of these injuries these guys get. Yeah. As as you look at it right now, obviously it's going to text, tech, test, jeez, not going to text anything. It's going to test Yankees' depth early on. Um, and... What's but conversely, it's not going to be as big a mental test as what the Astros are going through. We've already seen what four guys get plunked, and this is just going to continue. We talked about this a little bit last week, and now it's borne out. Now that games have started, this is going to be a legitimate problem. And if I'm somebody who has Astro players on my fantasy team, I'm being very careful. And number two, I'm just being very wary if I'm facing the Astros that you have a golden opportunity to pounce on a team that may be mentally fried, especially if we get to July, August, September. Um, they're going to go through a lot this year. It's going to take a lot of focus and a lot of discipline from these Astro players that have gotten by using cheating methods. Yeah, and we, we knew this would be the end result of what happened. I can't imagine if the Astros are going to go through a season where they're going to be able to get away with some of the things they did. On top of that, they're not going to be able to be comfortable, I just think, in any situation besides maybe their home games. And even then, depending on the teams they're playing and the implications of the game with the series, it could still be pretty testy. I just think they're going to be playing 82 games this year at least where they are public enemy number one and Players are coming after them, whether it's, you know, a pitcher, a hard slide in second base, a collision at home plate, whatever it may be. Um, you know, these Astro players for at least 82 games this year are, are going to be, um, have a big bullseye right on their chest. And, and, you know, a lot of it's their own doing. I mean, what did they expect to happen if it's leaked? Um, you know, there were reports that this was happening for a long time and that players were picking up on it. But, you know, they kind of self-disciplined themselves and the team, uh, whether that was slowing down the pace of play or you know, changing up their signs or whatever it may have been. 
Uh, now that this report has come out and, and the depth of the report and the um, infractions that the Astros committed is, is in plain view, right? They're not going to take um, any sort of uh, liberties in disciplining the Astros, you know, from a player perspective. So the players are going to take it into their own hands, and what we're going to see is a lot of sloppy games, a lot of a lot more. I want to call. I don't want to say violence, but a lot more um, physical nature of baseball towards the Astros than maybe we've seen in the past. So uh, you can blame Rob Men for, for this, and you can blame the Astros for this. You know, they don't they deserve it in a sense. Uh, but I think the the way it would play out would be different if Manfred would have taken uh, a certain action towards some of the players involved in this game. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Uh, not really. I mean, we're, we're getting into an interesting part of the calendar here. Uh, you know, college basketball is, is revving up. we got conference tournaments starting. It was the NCAA tournament in a couple of weeks. Um, and, you know, we'll be seeing baseball at the end of the month. So in four weeks, we got that coming up. Um, and then, you know, from there, you know, we, we head into the playoffs. So a nice stretch, I think, here of, of sports coming up and really excited to see what happens. I think a lot of these... Uh, fields are wide open, especially in college basketball this year. It's going to be very interesting. There's been everybody who's been number one seems to have been upset at some point, which leads to a wide open tournament, which everybody loves. But it could create some random, random teams. I mean, you have Dayton as number four. San Diego State was undefeated for a long, long time. You have some very interesting teams on the on on the one and two line of the bracket and uh that's going to create a lot of research for some people to do and a lot of bracket busting opportunities um there are no blue bloods that are like surefire you know four four teams to end, to, to end up in the final four it's gonna be very interesting how march plays out yeah i'm, I'm excited for for that to come I, you know i want march 18th to come as well i think if i have to hear about tom brady anymore i'm gonna rip out my ears i can't take this storyline uh, to be honest with you i want to i want that to be situated it was fun for the first couple of weeks you know after the off season ended to kind of provide that filler you know as we headed to free agency in the draft but you know at this point i i think if i hear another report about it uh you know what his camp is saying or what the Patriots camp is saying, I think I'm just going to lose it. And here I was about to end the podcast. You nearly got through 20 minutes without me mentioning Tom Brady, and you brought it on yourself. Yeah, I, I just was thinking about the calendar, and that was the date that sticked out, and, uh, you know, I apologize for bringing it up. <laughs> hey, <clears throat> here's the interesting part of this. This becomes a... a, a Story you don't want to follow, and then as soon as he makes his decision, it becomes the most fascinating story in all of sports because of everybody who's a free agent and that cascading effect. So, it's it's a story you may dread for right now, but may embrace soon enough. Yeah, it's just one of those things you want to find. You know, neither side is saying what's happening or what they want to do or what their intentions are. Um, it'd be nice every once in a while to have that honesty or that. Um, conviction, hey, yeah, I'm leaving, I've had a good run, it's, it's over, I want to challenge myself, or, you know, the Patriots say, you know, the same thing, it's been a good run, we need to look in different directions, we got to think about the well-being of our team, so, neither side is going to say that, um, I don't think either side is going to come out right away um, to say that, I, I just think that this is just one of those situations where 
it'd be nice to see some conviction like we saw from the, the Saints uh, with Drew Brees, right? You know, despite the CBA not being uh, situated, you know, they were able to come out and say on both sides, yes, we want him back, yes, I want to be back, we're, we're coming back and we'll get the rest figured out. Um, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see that with the Patriots and Tom Brady. Nope. Danny Flecka, thank you as always for coming on Teeing It Up. No problem, man. Have a good day. You got it. Same to you and same to everybody else out there. Enjoy your Leap Day 2020.